Hello, hello, my name is Clark Heron, a.k.a. The Harry Hobo, and welcome to season number two of A.K.A. Sports. And as with me, he actually came back, if you can believe it or not. Fletch, <laughs> the man himself, come back. Uh, thank you for coming back, number one. And number two, how was the holiday season for you? Yes, sir. I'm glad to be back. Uh, season two was upon us. Um, the holiday season did me did me pretty well, man. Um, just got to enjoy uh, time with the family. A uh, little time off of work. Obviously, as the people know, we took a break. Uh, uh, ended season one, 20 episodes deep. Um, for those at home that want to go check us out, feel free to check us out anywhere and everywhere online. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. Uh, if you want to check out the actual podcast itself, you can check us out on Anchor. You can check us out on Spotify, Apple, iHeart, the whole nine yards. We're everywhere. So I'm just glad we're back, Clark. Uh, how, how was your holidays, man? It was good up until the point that I got COVID, but I am well past it at this point, thankfully. Hopefully those out there that are listening to us uh, have avoided it, or if you have it, hopefully you're powering through just like I did. And uh, this new season that we're going to be jumping into here, it's quite a bit different from what we did previously. So everything that you know and maybe you liked about us, uh, just put that to the side for now. Uh, we're going to be doing more of debatable topics, more topics that we can actually do a nice little deep dive into. It's going to be a little bit quicker podcast, maybe a little bit easier for the listeners to uh, simply put on and listen to in the background or sit down and listen to as well. Um, and if they do really, really well, we might actually get back into the video side of things. But for right now, we really want to see we've had a few uh, news and notes here and there from uh, some of our other listeners about potentially trying to get into more of a debatable topic so we can go a little bit back and forth because everybody wants to know what Fletch is thinking and everybody <laughs> wants to know why I'm right. So we will be getting into both of those. But first and foremost, uh, I want to pull up the final rankings of the pick six and Fletch and I, we tied at the very end of everything. Wow. Um, I was somehow pulled it off at the very end to end up in a tie with you. Uh, so congratulations to us both. Well, we didn't win the overall, unfortunately, but we did tie. So hopefully uh, next season or if we find something along uh, the rest of this year, depending on what happens, we might find another contest that we might try and enjoy as well. But let us go ahead and get into it because we don't want to take too much time here. Uh, obviously, we're coming off the very tail end of the college football season. The college football national championship happened on Monday, and surprisingly, at least to me, and maybe to you as well, Fletch, uh, the Georgia Bulldogs won for the first time in 41 years. Uh, their fans very, very pleased with their performance. That pick six late, even though really the game kind of drugged on a little bit, but uh, they finally got themselves a national championship. Kirby Smart finally pulled the monkey off of his back uh, and got the win. So congratulations to them. But kind of the biggest news coming through most of these last several weeks, especially just after the national championship, is seven players from Alabama and two players from Georgia jumped into the transfer portal right after the national championship, which... It's, it's kind of weird to say because typically when you win a national championship, you you typically want to stick with those teams, especially when they're going that far. But these players have jumped in, and if you're not aware, 
the transfer portal is what allows players to basically transfer to another university or college and depending on uh, if they have an eligibility or if they have a certain degree that they're going after, they could potentially be eligible to play right away or they have to sit out at least one season. So the transfer portal has, I want to say the last time I checked, Fletch, there was over 1,500, maybe even 2,000 players uh, in the transfer portal as of, as of, as of this recording. Mm-hmm. Uh and then on top of that, obviously, what most of these players are going to be doing, and we'll be talking about it much more in depth, is going to be looking for that NIL money, which, again, if you don't know, is name, image, likeness. Earlier this year, the NCAA stated that players can go out and look for sponsorships. They can look for uh, tutoring sessions. They can do signings. Uh, they can do basically anything they want to garner money and they can do it it's just at their own expense obviously the ncaa does not allow actual uh universities to pay the students and might jump into that as well but as for right now they are allowed to go out there so that's what a majority of these players are doing which uh fletch before i really jump into it because i i we could talk about this subject for quite a while uh I want to know your opinion. I don't know your opinion. What do you think about the transfer portal? The NIL situation's good? Is it bad? Where is it leading college football? Yeah, man. Um, I'll be completely honest. I actually uh, like the the transfer portal. Um, I also like the the NIL uh, agreement as well uh, that's been placed upon the NCAA. Um, it, it's, uh, I think it's starting to, and we've alluded to this on, on some previous shows. Um, obviously we know it's kind of a hot topic because of how popular this is coming, especially with the NIL. Um, I don't even know what you call this anymore, like rule or whatever they want to call this, uh, law or, you know, basically I'm just, uh, the first and foremost thing that I'm going to just throw out here, I'm just happy the players who all of these guys are, you know, pretty much 18 or older. We all know working age in most places, pretty much across the country, is 16 years old. If I'm a kid and I want to make some money, I shouldn't be restricted. And I'm glad that they are no longer restricted. Um, the On the flip side, with the transfer portal, I understand the pros and cons of it. But the biggest thing that I, that I do like, again, is going back to the players and them having a little bit more freedom, a little bit more say so in what they uh, and, and, um, and what they're going to do, like how they're going to mold their careers, you know. Where where are you going to play? If and the the uh, the other thing is the ultimate goal f- for a lot of these guys, um, more so now than ever before. We always were told it's only a small percentage of players that go to the league. Well, I mean, you do have seven rounds in the thirty-two team draft. You do have players that are undrafted that show up very well in the NFL. Um, and I, I personally welcome this just due to the fact that if I'm you know recruited to go play at you know x university and that university you know say for instance i'm sitting behind a couple guys on the depth chart i may not play till i'm a senior i was highly recruited coming out of high school i just want opportunity to be seen therefore i can go make money and do what i love making money which is playing football um or basketball even for that matter i I just really like the opportunity that it gives the players more so than anything else because ultimately on the university or collegiate side on the uh, business side of things, the media side of things, hey, they're all making money. The only ones that weren't were specifically the players, and the argument was, ah, they're getting paid a scholarship. Well, I mean, let's be frank here, uh, Clark. 
um, you know, average tuition here in our country is anywhere between forty and fifty thousand dollars a year. I understand that may go may, may, may be going up a little bit more as of late, just with everything else going up. But at the same time, that is a av- very average year salary for a regular working class individual. Um, not somebody that's playing football on TV, doing interviews throughout the week, having to practice every day leading up to the games on Saturday, um, out there performing on national or local TV. Um, it's just a different beast, and I'm glad that these guys are able to go out, the ones that can at least go out and make some money, and the ones that can't, hell, you still have a free ride. You still uh, are able to go to school for free, and, and, and you can actually do smaller things to make money, even if you're not like, you know, say Bryce Young, who made roughly a million dollars this year, or Clemson's quarterback, DJ, Ooh, help me with the last name. Thank, appreciate it, man, who had the Dr. Pepper deal coming into the year. Uh, Paige Beckers, the UConn standout women's basketball with the Gatorade deal. I understand those are outliers, but also, too, you can have the 10th man on a basketball roster. You can have a guy that's ninth on the freaking depth chart, and they still can go make money, you know, outside of outside of the sport uh, now where they couldn't before. So, I mean, that's my stance on it. I actually prefer this. Uh, I understand this is kind of moving the collegiate sports into more of an amateur sport. But, hell, I mean, you know, rip the Band-Aid. That's what I feel like it's been anyways. So that's why I'm happy for the players more so than anyone else. Yeah, you're, I would 100% agree with everything you just said there, especially when it comes to what we saw in the past when we are going to the March Madness. I remember years ago, UConn players complaining that – they didn't have any money to pay for just meals when they were traveling. I mean, that was supposed to be part of the deal, and it never was. So they're going off right. to March Madness. They're not they don't have any money for meals, barely getting all, barely getting any type of sustenance during this long stretch of a tournament. I mean, granted, yes, it's great that you have a college tuition and you're getting paid full ride. Awesome, phenomenal. The problem was. The whole issue with the NCAA started off as a necessary entity just to make sure that nobody was actually getting hurt or back in the early days of college football dying. And then somewhere along the way, they figured out that they can make a lot of money off of it. And they did. And it got to the point where the naivety of people thinking that, oh, this NIL money is going to be bad for college football. Guess what? We've been playing we've been paying college athletes under the table for generations. It's nothing new. This is just a new form of it that's now their ability to go get it on their own. And guess what? They're still getting paid underneath the table or right. in the instance of college or college football Texas A&M this year, their boosters reported reportedly paid about 30 million dollars in NIL boosting money to try and get the top ranking uh top recruiting class for this coming year it's there the money's not going anywhere it's just changing how it's coming in and out but yeah these students they've got to make a living because like we've been drilled into our brains since we were playing sports at a very young age the very the the small percentage that actually have a chance to go play professional sports is so small so minute and even those players, there's only a small, super small percentage that actually make a career of it. Mm-hmm. it those are the ones that – the vast majority, the ones that you see in the transporter now, those are those players that need to go out there, 
need to find the sponsorships now. They need to create a brand for themselves, just like Spencer Rattler has, just like the Eric King has. It may not turn into they're the next Tom Brady's or Joe Montana's of the NFL. It may not work out that way. But guess what? They're going to be able to make money now. They're going to be able to make connections now through these sponsorships, through these deals. And then all of a sudden, hey, if football doesn't work out, I've got all these connections, all these abilities to go make a career beyond sports. I mean, we've had to do it for years and years and years when all these players ended up going to Enterprise and they're like, yep, Enterprise, I am, you know, I used to play college football and softball and baseball and all that fun jazz. Yeah, it's because the grand majority of have to. I mean, they didn't have a chance to actually make money for themselves before it was too late when, guess what, you, you don't go to the NFL now your name's obscurity and nobody wants your autograph mm-hmm. because unless you win a national championship for your school, something along those lines. But let me ask you this, Fletch. I saw this in the article and when I read it, I had to laugh because it made no sense to me, but I can kind of see what they're trying. So I want you to picture yourself. You are a high school athlete, uh, graduated this year. Congratulations. Uh, Thank you. Uh, you have graduated high school, you are ready to move on to college, and you are stuck between two colleges. Uh, one is going to be the University of Georgia, just for this instance, uh, and the other one that you're highly considering is Tennessee, both giving you full rides. Uh, you go to these visits, and you go to Georgia, and Georgia says, you know what, we would love to have you here, you can do whatever you want NIL-wise, however... You're not allowed to use our Power G logo or their actual logo in any of your sponsorship deals. Okay? So that's the only stipulation. Fair. So then you go visit Tennessee. Tennessee says, you can do whatever you want. Uh, We don't care. Uh, You can even rent out Mike the Tiger, the actual mascot, if you want to do that as well. Obviously, that's not your only variable to make this decision. There's many other variables that come into it. But let's say it's really close between these two. Is the fact that Georgia not allowing you to use their branding, is that a reason not to go? Yes. For me, yes. Absolutely. Um, Reason why I say that is I look at it like this. Um, If I am, you know, say if I'm choosing between these two schools, I'm, I'm, you know, looking to be, well, hypothetically say the starting quarterback at one of these two schools, maybe not right away, but at some point in time, I ask what I feel. I'm going here to play football, not to sit on the bench, um, whether that's Tennessee or Georgia. Um, if Georgia's not going to allow me to use the logo, that is something that people are going to recognize me by, um, believe it or not. Now, I understand if you watch the State Farm commercial, there's not, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Chris Paul, Aaron Rodgers. There's not, you know, logos everywhere at the same time. You know, these guys are household names at this point. But for me, I'm not. Um, I need something that is going to have people remember me by. They see me, you know, uh, Chris Fletcher, you know, da-da-da-da-da, um, whatever, I got a commercial, I got a deal with, you know, whoever. How are average day, you know, average Joe people who are, who are at home watching these games that, you know, get excited about these games and they watch these games, they're not going to remember me from a commercial without the Georgia logo. 
Uh, they'll remember me as a starting quarterback at Tennessee. Why? Because I'm going to be in a commercial with the Tennessee logo. I'm going to be in a commercial with the mascot. I'm like, oh, yeah, he plays at Tennessee. You see me in a commercial and I play at Georgia and I can't use the G? Ah, where, where does that kid play at? Hell if I know. That, 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 would, that would, for me, uh, personally, that would, that would definitely factor into my decision. Um, obviously, like you said, there's going to be other variables. But that is most certainly going to factor into my decision. Um, just for the simple fact that logo of that university is going to have people recognize me more so than not having that logo to back me. Very, very interesting, because when I read this, I actually had the counterpoint to this. I was thinking more along the lines of most of these kids are going to have their own brandings by the time they get into college, if they're smart enough. Not, mm -hmm. I wouldn't say most, but some will. Um, obviously, we saw Spencer Rattler and Derek Eric King create their own branding um, coming into it. I think a lot of them are keying off of what NBA players have been doing, which is creating their own branding and kind of being business moguls themselves as best as they can mm -hmm. uh, with the stipulations and limitations that they have. Uh, for me, it would not mean anything to me simply because I, I get your point. The point is, if you don't have your own branding – yeah, I can understand. You, you kind of need some kind of connection with the school that you're at to kind of help build your branding a little bit. At the same time, if I already have my own branding or if I already have my own Twitch or YouTube videos, if I have any of that, I really don't need the branding. The branding would be nice. The point that I saw that the article made was similar to yours, which was you're going to see they were afraid there's going to be more of a power struggle between players choosing schools that will allow them to do it versus schools that won't. The question will then be, well, as soon as we see any type of shift to the schools that will allow them, the schools that won't will change their mind. I mean, it's all about the money at the end of the day. And mm -hmm. if they're really seeing the cream of the crop players, which – to be fair, like we've mentioned before, the naivety of them not being paid underneath the table is obscured. It's, it's insane. They're going to be paid. That's the cream of the crop. But if we're talking about the mass majority of players that really need this NIL money just to just to really build something, yeah, you're going to see some of those players maybe trend if the decision of other variables is close. Mm. That may be a tiebreaker for them. I don't see it as being a humongous hurdle, as in like, oh, I'm not going to go there because that coach isn't there, or, well, they won't let me use their branding. Well, you know, I liked everything else, but that's a big killer for me. But I, to your point, I, I do like the fact that if I don't have anything else to go off of, that's I need that. I need that branding in order yep. to create a name. And hopefully the kids that are paying attention to what the De'Eric Kings are doing in this world, going and getting connections, going and learning, and really buckling down on not just aiming for a professional future in sports, but more of a professional future even if you're not playing. Like, finding it along those lines and like you mentioned earlier this this article also mentioned that these players are not getting any tv of any any tv money and this is millions hundreds of millions of dollars that they're not even getting they're not even getting a cent from right. even though they're the ones creating the situation so 
uh, got about about five minutes left here. Uh, wrap this up a little bit. Obviously, we both like the transfer portal. Uh, we like it quite a bit. We like the NIL. Uh, the future of college football, at least how I see it, and maybe you can uh, jump in here as well. We already see this shifting landscape when it comes to the SEC adding in Oklahoma and Texas over, I think it was 2025 or 2023. I can't remember what year. Um, 2025, currently. 2025, yeah. Unless they pay their way out of it, which could happen, which I doubt. It's like $80 million in a, in a leaving fee. Uh, we saw the landscape shift for other schools going from multiple different conferences to the Big 12. Uh, we'll have Cincinnati jumping into that conference. The shifting of the landscape, at least in my opinion, I'm, I've always said it, and I will continue to say it, you are going to see a Super League happen. It is going to be likely the SEC Super League itself or a combination of the SEC versus some type of combination between the Big Ten, Pac-12, and ACC and maybe Big 12, I, I, I don't even know if they get in it, I don't, I, honestly. But that's where it's going to be heading. The NCAA is going to handle all the other sports. They're not going to touch college football. College football is, it's not really going to be college football anymore. Just like we stated with the NIL, it's more of an amateurism we're pushing for. That's probably what I see for the future of college football. And I know there's a lot of people out there that really don't like it because of the traditions and i remember lou holtz put up a quote stating that the players to yesteryear were about responsibilities and commitments whereas this college football player is not i didn't like that i really didn't but he came from a different era comparative to us and Fletch, where do you see college football going? Do you see something similar, or do you see something totally different? Um, I think there's a, there's kind of a we're in a we're in a crossroads actually right now. Uh, if you ask me, I think we are in a crossroads where this is already an amateur sport. Um, I think it will become basically a minor league. It won't necessarily have the title of that, but we know what it is. It's going to be somewhat of a minor league. There's really not many uh, there's other football leagues. I think there's like a USFL. Uh, starting up, we've we've heard we've seen the XFL. We've actually seen players uh, due to COVID that played in XFL, the Canadian Football League, and these other leagues around around the world uh, that actually got an opportunity due to COVID, uh, where players were signed. We're seeing it currently in the NBA, where a lot of players from the G League and that were undrafted are getting an opportunity to at least get ten day contracts. Um, what I do see with college football is very similar to what you're stating: is some type of super league, some type of um, you know, realignment, if you will. I don't know how far this will stray from the actual universities. That's one thing that I, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm in a wait and see mode on that because granted, we're still going to have, they're still going to be using the university's names. I mean, Alabama is still going to be paying Nick Saban if Nick Saban is the coach when we go to a minor league. Kirby Smart is still going to be the coach at Georgia, most likely. Uh, and so on and so forth with a lot of these other coaches that are staples in their uh, at the at their uh, current locations. Um, you know, whether that be Brian Kelly now at LSU, Ryan Day at Ohio State, you know, the list goes on, man. Uh, Lincoln Riley moving out to USC. So um, the, the, these are these are things that we that we are, um, you know, it's hard to predict. Um, 
I think it's kind of a, again wait and see on how far this actually goes. But in my opinion, I mean, based on what we how we what you opened up with, uh, was it you said um, seven Alabama players and two LSU or two Georgia players hit the transfer portal like right after the game was over? Um, I mean. That that just goes to show you right there. Uh, these guys, it's, it's not like opportunity. One of the one of the players that actually transferred from Alabama is a starting tight end, Billingsley. Um, that 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 one is the one that really shocked me to a degree. I'm not necessarily surprised by anything anymore, to be honest with you, in the in the landscape of college football. But at the same time, I do think that is an example of why I do believe currently we are. This is more of an amateur sport than not, because honestly, it sounds like he's just looking for either a new, a fresh start where he can shine maybe a little bit more. And I think that's what you'll see. Um, two things that I'm going to kind of leave off with, and I think this is what we're getting away from, and, and not to shade, you know, Lou Holtz too much, but, I mean, what he said to me was completely off base and, and, and out of touch with time right now. Um, it takes me back to this. I heard actually, you know, former, it's ironic we talk about Tennessee again, former Tennessee running back Aaron Foster, I don't know what documentary this I was watching. Some it was an old HBO doc, maybe about four or five years ago, when I came across this. But he brought up the term indentured servant. Clark, I'm going to read you what Merriam-Webster calls an indentured the definition. Uh, what they have is a definition of an indentured servant. Okay. It is it is quote a person who is who signs and is bound by indentures to work for another. For excuse me, let me let me rephrase this because the the wording here, a person who signs and is bound by by indentures to work for another for a specific time, especially in return for payment of travel expenses and maintenance. That sounds like a '90s college football player to me. He signed a um, letter of intent or signed a scholarship, if you will, to play at. X university um that player not to be funny up until today's time where you can actually make your own money that player technically was an indentured service servant he was signed and bound by the contract that he signed in return for what play where they would pay him for travel expenses and maintenance plain and simple um that is what we're getting away from that to me is what was wrong with college football that this now has the transfer portal and the nil together has essentially um remedied if you will there's no longer this thing where you are an indentured servant yes you still have this but now you have the freedom to not just be signed and bound to play college football at University of Tennessee, University of Georgia, University of Alabama. You can now, like you mentioned, with the De'Aaron Kings of the world, the Spencer Rattlers of the world. We talked about it with Bryce Young. We talked about it, you know, with uh, DJ over in Clemson. These are players now that are not locked to this signature on such scholarship that they signed. Um, that I think now that we're away from this, is what what is what what we're turning into now where people are actually i mean granted like we talked about they're already getting paid let's just be real about it at least the top dogs are now everyone can go get paid outside of this sport um so that's that's the first thing um and just in addition to that we're talking again talking about the landscape of college football i'm like you clark i don't know if it's the sec you know um thing that's going to just balloon and turn into this premier league or if we're just going to run into a whole you know, maybe 60 to 70 team 
minor league, if you will, and then the mid-majors will honestly be laid to rest in a sense where, you know, I don't know if they'll even have, I don't even know if they'll be included. I feel like they might even have their own, you know, league, if you will, underneath that, where almost like a triple-A, double-A, single-A kind of thing that you see in baseball. That's where I feel like this is going. Um, One thing that I actually would like to see, Clark, and this is just Again, me being okay with this change here is um, if, if for those at home uh, that, that don't watch soccer, um, I know we're all pretty familiar at least with what the English Premier League is, which is England's um, or, yeah, the UK's Premier Pro Soccer League, right? Most people don't realize there's three tiers to that, to that league. There is the league that we see on TV, um, on Saturdays, they play on NBC, they play on USA. Um, we see, you know, Liverpool, we see Man United, Man City, uh, Arsenal, so on and so forth. We see these big, you know, these big names that are huge, obviously, over there. And to us, they are at least recognizable. Uh, people don't realize if you're at the bottom of that league, what happens to you? You actually drop down to the second tier of the next 20 teams that are in that league that's underneath that league that has the Man Cities and Man United and Liverpools and Arsenals and so on and so forth. You actually get demoted. I would honestly prefer to see that in college football. If your team is at the bottom of the barrel, and we've seen it before with the Appalachian States of the world who used to be uh, back, I don't know if people remember this at home when they upset Michigan, they were an FCS school. They were a Division One AA school. They were not D1. They were not FBS. Um, they were not included with that, and they've actually made the jump now. I would love to see a team that, like, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Kansas has essentially been the bottom of the Big 12 for how long, Clark? A decade, maybe? Quite a while. I would love to see a Kansas be demoted, to be honest with you. Um, I would love to see the bottom of the barrel SEC teams get demoted, uh, bottom of the barrel Big Ten teams, and the list goes on. Uh, get, again, get demoted. If you are not winning, at least to a degree, you're not competitive, why are you in this league? Um, is my question. That is what I think that I would like to see with the college football landscape in the future. I think that's going to be more of a distant future than a than a uh, uh, more of a near future. But I do believe that might be something that is looked into. For the simple fact is, what what, I, what we're finding out is that, with, especially with the big with the uh, excuse me the uh, SEC, they want teams and players at the highest of the highest level, the cream of the crop. The SEC, for instance, has been the cream of the crop for college football for years. The draft shows you that. Um, the championships show you that. Um, I mean, Alabama, Georgia, and LSU, there's been eight, correct me if I'm wrong, is that right? Eight college football playoffs now, eight champions. And I believe between those three schools, I think they've won every last one of them with the exception of three, which is one by Ohio State and two by Clemson. Um, yeah, I, I, I really truly believe that that's, that to me should be, or possibly will be the future of college football. Yeah, I would, I would agree with you, especially if we get to a point where we have two super conferences kind of coming together, it wouldn't shock me if regulation was a, uh, or relegation was a uh, thing for those things or for those conferences. But to your original point, the further we, the way we can get from the NCAA I think the better because it takes forever and they're so outdated. But uh, that will wrap up our 
college football topic, we will actually jump into one more topic here today. And it's at the tail end of the NFL regular season. And we all know what Matt means. We're talking about Black Monday when a lot of co- or when a lot of NFL coaches actually get fired, and several of them actually did. Um, most notably, and the one that we're kind of pounding the table on, and most people are pounding the table on, is Brian Flores getting released after two seasons there in Miami. Uh, clearly a good coach. Clearly someone that knows what he's doing, at least in my opinion. Didn't quite have all the weapons there. There's still, I don't know if the ownership is all in on Tua. I don't even know if Brian Flores was all in on Tua. Obviously, there's something else going along uh, along the way that got them fired as well. But unfortunately, he'll got fired. But likely, he will be uh, finding a new job fairly quickly. Other notable ones, uh, the Bears fired Matt Nagy, and I think. All of Chicago, I can still hear them partying. Yes, they are. Um, They are celebrating quite loudly. Uh, Joe Judge, who was told not that long ago that his job was safe the following day, he got the pink slip. So obviously something happened overnight to change their mind. Uh, But the newest one, David Culley, just one year into his stay there in Houston, uh, got relieved of his duties today, which is probably the most shocking of any one of these uh, just because of what he had to work with and the situation that he was in down there dealing with a quarterback that has so many off the field legal obligations that they still don't know what's going to happen there. Uh, So Fletch, I'll throw it to you Um, of these coaching firings that we've seen so far. Uh, is there any one of these coaches and let's leave Brian Flores off. Cause I think we both agree that Brian Flores is a good coach. Correct. True. Uh, is there anyone other than him that you think either should get a second chance somewhere else or will likely land somewhere else? I do. Um, I do. I'm looking at the list of coaches and we'll just write all these names off for the people at home as well. Uh, David Culley from the Texans, one one season, four and thirteen, fired. Joe Judge, Giants, fired. Brian Flores, we've spoken in length about him, uh, fired. Matt Nagy, Bears, uh, Mike Zimmer, Vikings, Vic Fangio, Broncos, and then the last two are just. I mean, they had to go in a sense. Urban Meyer and John Gruden. Um, these are the vacancies for these teams. Um, these are the eight coaches that are no longer coaches at this point uh we will remain to be seen with the raiders interim head coach i mean he's he's led them back to the play led, led them back to a, a winning season and they made the playoffs um out of this list there's two coaches actually that i think will honestly land on their feet just fine outside of brian flores um and that's mike zimmer from the vikings um former dc a uh, very good coach to be honest with you um, had some very good years with the Vikings. They just consistently underperformed. Um, I think that's partially due. And what, what I what I find too with a lot of these coaches, whatever their forte is, typically that team is good in their forte, but very problematic in the other. And Mike Zimmer, and then the second coach that I'm going to mention here is Vic Fangio. Both very good defensive coaches. Both typically at some point in time on with the Vikings and the Broncos respectively had very good defenses, especially with the Broncos this past season. 
Um, I do believe these are very respected coaches. I think they're professional coaches. I do think they land on their feet. I don't know how quickly they get a head coaching job again, but I do believe they'll be at least a DC next year, somewhere in the league, unless they decide that they're going to take the year off. Um, I know some coaches decide to do so. For instance, Doug Peterson, uh, recently from you know the Super Bowl champs, Philadelphia Eagles, you know a few years back. Now I'm back in the coaching carousel as well after taking a year off. So those are the two coaches that I think will land on their feet because of not so much just because of the success at least some of the, some of the success that they had at their current locations, but also the success that they had at their previous uh, locations as well. Um, I just I just see these two guys continuing to be in the league for years to come. Agreed. I think those would be the other two names that I would mention as well. I don't really have a huge resume to look at with Joe Judge, uh, but based on all the off season noise that came out of the Giants and the the regular season that was. Uh, the good thing is the Giants are getting rid of Joe Judge, and they're also having uh, Gettleman retire uh, mm-hmm. as GM. So I think that should allow things to actually have actual change there, but that's going to be up to ownership. And speaking of ownership, uh, I've looked at different uh Articles I've looked at different posts uh, on Facebook from other people talking about these coaches' hirings and firings, and uh, some of them were saying with Brian Flores, for example, two years went 19 and 17, uh, and they was they were comparing him to other coaches that went at the same record the last two years or worse, but they're still coaches in the NFL, and it kind of made me start thinking about the the so terrible rule, and we've talked about it a little bit off-air, the, the, the stupid Rooney rule that they have, which basically just allows ownership to put a, put a nice little sticker on their little uh, on their you know, refrigerator at the end of the day saying, yep, I did my civic duty uh, to at least interview one minority candidate, which is absurd. It has nothing to do with it. I want a good coach. Obviously, we saw what Urban Meyer did in the NFL, nothing. Uh, we saw what Joe Judge in the NFL, Matt Nagy did in the NFL, nothing. And I don't care where they come from or who they are. It's what they can do as a coach. I mean, we look at, you know, the Steelers. I mean, sadly, it's called the Rooney Rule. But Rooney knows how to hire a good head coach because they've only had three in their entire history. Right. And they, they're pretty good last time I checked. They were pretty good. For a while. For a long time, 15 years of no losing seasons for Mike Tomlin. Yes, he's going to have some down years. It happens, but he's got Super Bowls on his pedigree. He's got no losing seasons on his pedigree. A phenomenal hire. But the reason I bring all this up, because I saw this post and they were saying, you know, I don't know how Matt Rule can keep his job down in Carolina or how John Harbaugh can keep his job at uh, Baltimore. Well, you know, everybody knows John Harbaugh won a Super Bowl. He's got multiple winning seasons, multiple playoff appearances. He's got the pedigree there. Uh, just because he's had two rough seasons, it's going to happen. I mean, when you lose all of your running backs within the first five weeks of the season, you're playing with Devonta Freeman. Play with him and see what happens. You know, right. you're not going to do well. But as for Matt Rule, I'm not in love with him as a head coach, but – He's also not worked with really any good quarterbacks. They thought Sam Darnold was the fix. Turned out it wasn't. 
Uh, he's still seeing ghosts, at least I, at least to my knowledge on the field. Uh, and then Run CMC just can't stay healthy. So there's different situations there. But to go back to the Rooney rule, I will say this. And Fletch, I'll get your opinion here in a second. Yes, I, I totally 100% agree. There's a ton of ownership issues. There's a ton of owners in this league that have so delusional when it comes to expectations for their team that if they don't get what they want right away, they are willing to change at the drop of a hat, even though there might be actual progress being made. Um, that's the bad part, as well as whatever else goes along behind the doors. But Fletch, go ahead and tell the people what's your thought about coaches hiring and firing and what what are you seeing on your end? So the one thing in, in, in NFL, this has always been the case. What have you done for me lately? That doesn't that doesn't just go for players. That goes for coaches, and that's extremely clear. It actually is more so for coaches than it is for players, in my opinion. Um, when you see a flash from a player in one season, that player can essentially – he'll probably stick around for a while if he doesn't even perform at that level just because you think he very well may get back to that level. Um, some of it's due to age. Some of it's just a, sh- a shot in the dark. Um, for instance, look how long Vince Young and RG3 lasted in the league. They both had one good season, and after that, they had a lot of bad ones. But they were still given opportunity, an opportunity to at least be, you know, a backup quarterback, fight for the job, so on and so forth for a little while. Whereas head coaches, we're talking about a lot of these coaches. I mean, to, to keep it real with you, again, we'll go through this list. David Cully, one year. Joe Judge, uh, how many years? Two, Clark, is that correct? Two, yeah. Two. Brian Flores, is that three years there? Two with two and one before? I believe so. Nagy, I want to say, was three years. Uh, we'll skip over Zimmer. I believe he was there for eight. And then uh, Fangio was also in, in Denver for three years. Um, we're talking about six of the coaches that were fired at the, uh, you know towards the end of the season. There's only three of them, or excuse me, there's there's five of them, I apologize, um, that only lasted three years. And then there's, you know, a couple of these that only coached a year to two years. So uh, that just goes to show you that's the first thing. Um, you know, what have you done for me lately is very important. Second, Secondly is this. I'm 100% with you. The Rooney rule is BS. Um, we'll just, I'll just be very blunt about it. The, the Rooney rule is, is a cop-out, like you mentioned. It's like a, putting a, a, a notch in your belt, a star in your crown. Um, yeah, I interviewed a, a, a black, um, you know, um, a black coach for the for the job, and yeah, it didn't work out. Uh, who's to say it didn't work out? The problem, essentially, and you alluded to this, Clark, the problem is the owners. The problem is the owners of the NFL. It's like this good old boy clique that essentially they're going to hire who they want to hire, regardless of, you know, Rooney rule, regardless of how qualified, say, one coach is. Um, and I'm like you. There needs to there essentially you're you're there to hire a good coach. I don't care if he's white, black, purple, blue, in between. If he's good, he's good, right? Essentially, give him the job. Um, if you and then once you give him the job, give him an opportunity to perform. And I think with the biggest beef that me and you kind of already have with this is is Brian Flores is a prime example. And I'll use Anthony Lynn last year, two black head coaches that actually look at the circumstances. They actually did pretty well based on the circumstances and then were let go. Um, and you see with the Chargers, they essentially regressed just a little bit this year, um, even though, they again, they still look just the same on paper if you look at the actual team. But 
you know, I, I believe Anthony Lynn won more games last, the year he was fired than the current coach this year. Um, and you bring in this new head coach to essentially perform better, and they did not. Not saying this guy should have been fired after one year. That's there in uh, the. That's there in L.A. for the Chargers now. But at the same time, you know, Anthony Lynn got two years and he was out the door after having a winning season. So it's it's um I I just I don't like the Rooney Rule because again, like we mentioned, it is a cop out. Um, I don't like the the fact that right now we have one black head coach in the league. Um which is literally Mike Tomlin. There's no one else to speak of right now um, due to the firings. There weren't that many to begin with because hell only two black coaches got fired. So, you know, here we are now it is 2022 and we're still having this issue. The Rooney rule, I think had a place when it was implemented. I think, I, I don't know if you agree with me on that, but I think times have now changed to the point where we shouldn't be relying on this Rooney rule just to give a guy an opportunity. Think about it like this. If I was not given if I was going to, you know, going to an interview and I knew the Rooney rules was in place for my, you know, everyday job and my employer just had to essentially interview me because he had to, I don't even know if I want that job. Right. Um, that's 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 one thing for me personally that I, I I just you know I'll go work somewhere else where I'm actually wanted not because you had to bring me into your office and have this interview with me so um and I, and then again and then I'm curious too what may come out in the future as far as the stories with these interviews as well like you know how deep are these interviews going are the interviews with black head coaches uh, potential candidates I should say are they shorter um, are they asked as many questions. Are they actually looked at um, as far as when they actually go through the decision making process after they've interviewed three, four, five coaches? You know, is that is 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 that black coach actually being considered? Um, so, I mean, I hate to make this more uh, go, go into a race thing, but the Rooney rule is just that it is a race thing. And I think they should do away with it. Um, very similar to affirmative action. Well, while the two things act a little differently, both were implemented in a time and a place where I think they were absolutely necessary. Here in 2022, I just don't think they're absolutely necessary anymore. You hire a good coach, and that's the, that's the end of the story. Yeah, that's it's so tough because obviously, like we've mentioned, we just both despise the Rooney rule and the situation. But like you mentioned, it's the ownership. It is a club. It is a very unique and very powerful club of a multimillionaire, billionaires that – uh, you're just not going to get away from. It's sad. Sad but true. It's it's all about money. Now, granted, you're going to see more of actual ownership groups coming into play. Uh, the Broncos were actually cleared to be uh, sold, uh, or at least have the ability to be sold here soon. And there was a mention in an article on ESPN about Peyton Manning, if the right group talks to him in a certain good way, um, might allow him to be part of that ownership group, which really kind of leads to even more problems when it comes to hiring coaches because now it's not just Jerry Jones that you go to the Cowboys and obviously you know he's who he wants to have as his head coach if the time comes. Now you have to go to a group that has to have some kind of consensus, mm-hmm. which might make things even much more difficult to do. Um, so it's – it's a very interesting topic. I wish there was a way around it. Unfortunately, much like what we saw with the Washington football team and 
how long it took them to finally remove the mascot name that they had. It wasn't because of the pressure of the public. It wasn't because of the pressure of the media. It was because the shareholders were about to pull their money out of his pocket. And when that happened, that's when he decided, you know what? Let's go ahead and change this mascot. That might be a good idea for me because I don't want to lose money. And unfortunately, right. when it comes to these owners, when it comes to these type of big decisions, especially even if it's just down to hiring coaches, it, unfortunately, it's going to take something big. Like you mentioned, something that maybe happened during the interview process, or it's going to take someone with a bunch of money that was giving it to them saying, you know what, I'm not going to tolerate this anymore. If we can get to that point, we'll actually see some good change moving forward. Unfortunately, until then, when you have a bunch of money, they're not going to listen to you if you don't. It's it's the sad truth of the world. Um, but let us go ahead and finish up here on this topic. Um Last but not least, it was actually Doug Pedersen. You just mentioned him. He was actually uh, being interviewed for the Chicago Bears job and or potentially the New York Giants job. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, let's skip that. Let's leave that to the side. Let's do one last thing here real quick before we uh, shut up shop here today. Um, and that will be, Fletch, I want to know who your final four is for the NFL. Who's going to make the NFC and AFC championship games? Ooh, okay, okay. Very good question. Very good question. It is that time of year for those at home. Uh, this is a big playoff weekend. Um, we currently have 14 teams in the playoff. The Packers and the Titans are on by due to the fact that they finished number one in their conferences, ASC, NFC, respectively. Um, with that being said, uh, my final four. I first and foremost, two of my five, and, and again, this this the. The NFL is going to be a little – it's hard to pick a Final Four. Let's just be real because the thing is with the NFL is the seeding. Um, amongst everything else that has a tournament, the NFL is just – like, for instance, it would be nice to do like a NFL bracket. You can't really do it because they have to reseed and have the number one seed who had the bye week and in years past the one and two seed that had the bye week. You just essentially the one place the lowest seed, the two plays the highest seed remaining. In this case, the Tennessee Titans and the Green Bay Packers will play the two lowest seeds that are remaining. I am going to stick with two teams that I thought that I that are that I chose at the beginning of the season. I stuck with them halfway through the season, and I'm sticking with them now. And that is the Chiefs out of the AFC and the Rams out of the NFC. I am going to stick with those two. I do believe those two somehow get their get, get make their way to the uh, conference playoff game, the conference championship games. Their opponents is who I. Uh, it's it's kind of a struggle, I guess, for me to pick two. So I'm just going to go with my gut here. Uh, in the AFC, um, I do believe that the Chiefs will be there. Who I believe they will end up playing is, man, this is tough. I'm torn between two teams. But I'm going to go ahead and go with the – And this, I wish Derrick Henry was coming, was coming back, and I knew he was coming back, Clark, because I would probably pick the Titans, to be honest with you. Not knowing the status of Derrick Henry – I'm going to go ahead and go with the Buffalo Bills. I think the Buffalo Bills meet the Chiefs in the AFC title game, barring obviously the seeding situation. And in the NFC, I'm going to go, you know, stick with the Rams, but I'm going to go with the Packers uh, in the uh, in the title game. 
Um, I do think that these, I think the Packers honestly right now are the best team in football. Um, I don't know necessarily. I think after them, I think there is not, I'm not going to say there's a gap, but then it becomes hazy for me uh, where I have about four teams that can kind of fight for that second spot. Um, so I'm still sticking with my guys. I'm still sticking with the Rams. I'm still sticking with the Chiefs. Still, I think I picked the Rams to actually win the Super Bowl. I'm going to stick with it and stay, you know, stay true to what I told you I would. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see, you know, the the Packers win it all or, you know, the Bucks make a run or in the AFC, the Titans with Derrick Henry get there. But that's what I'm going to go with. Final four, Chiefs, Bills, Packers, Rams. Very, very nice. And... <clears throat> For my final four, uh, it is tough because typically in years past, any team that has a first round bye, they've almost kind of lost almost more often than not just because they don't get that extra week to play. It's nice to have it off, but sometimes you just kind of need that momentum to get going. Uh, Mm -hmm. So for me and the NFC, I've got the Buccaneers making it to the NFC championship game. Uh, It's hard to bet against Tom Brady. I don't like betting for him. Uh, betting uh, with him, but at the time, same time, when you bet against him, more often than not, you're wrong. So I will go with the Buccaneers, and they will be facing... <clears throat> uh, I'll go with the Rams as well. I like what the Rams can do, even though they've been up and down these last several weeks, kind of just barely getting through. They just lost their sixth straight game to the Niners, which was great. Niners made it in. Uh, hopefully they can go far, but I think the Buccaneers and the Rams will be in the NFC Championship game. As for the AFC Championship game, like you mentioned, without knowing what Derrick Henry is going to do, I don't really truly believe in that team in Tennessee. So in the AFC Championship game, I have the same Chiefs who are on fire. Uh, I think they will continue to push through. And then I've got the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, going to the AFC Championship game. I was kind of between them and the Patriots of the two teams of potentially just getting that one rousing win and then pushing through. But I know Buffalo has done well at home against the Patriots, uh, but I like what Cincinnati's doing. Uh, Jamar Chase had himself quite the fantasy season as well as an actual rookie season, uh, and he will be big in years to come. Yeah, absolutely. So my final four, I've got the Buccaneers, the Rams, uh, and then the Bengals and the Chiefs. So, Fletch, welcome to Season 2 of AKA Sports. We finally made it through Episode 1. Hopefully you enjoyed a little bit of that more of the debate. Uh, We'll be finding more debate topics as they come along, and there's plenty of them. As long as AB finds a way to rip off his jersey and run out of the stadium, (laughs) we will find a way to talk about different things as well. Um, Again, Flash. Yes. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this, and if I'm, hey, I might have to eat my words next week, and I'm prepared to do so because I am going out on a limb with this hot take. You ready? Yes. For the people at home, ready or not, I can't hear you, so you just got to bear with me. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles will upset the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this weekend. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. 
That is, and the reasoning behind that, and, and, and people that follow the season one know we we watch these games. We we're very in tune with what's going on. Granted, we don't. I mean, I I don't have access to literally every single game. Um, there are highlights. We can you can watch the games on various different sites for you know getting the sped up version of them, which I've done myself um, over the last few weeks um, for fantasy purposes. Uh, for just my general knowledge, as I was curious, being type of guy I am, being this kind of a sports junkie. The, the Philadelphia Eagles have been playing very good football as of late, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have some glaring losses this year against teams that they honestly should have beat, with the Saints twice and the, the Washington football team being one of those losses as well. And but all three of these losses, mind you, were not one-score losses. Uh, I just want to throw that out there. Also, the Bucks are dealing with multiple injuries across the board. There's no Chris Godwin. There's no Antonio Brown. Obviously, that's not an injury, but you kind of catch my drift. Um you know, Gronk literally just came back off an injury. Um, Fournette is now out. Like, there's a lot of moving pieces here with Tampa Bay. And the biggest thing from last year to this year, the reason why we rated them so high and expected it, not only because of Tom Brady, Bruce Arians, Brian Leftwich, and then that front seven that they have over there on, on the defensive side of the ball, and also the three receivers that they have, was essentially they brought back all 22 starters. How much of these 22 starters are healthy from last year, Clark? It's safe to say they're missing a lot of pieces. Um, and then as of late, I don't know what it is. I, I, I didn't think Philadelphia was a good team. I don't know if they're a good team. I know they've been playing well lately, though. And I think that they have a chance to upset. Now, I know I'm going out on a limb. I probably won't put any money on this game and bet against Tom Brady. I, I hate doing that myself, like you mentioned. But at the same time, that's going to be that's my hot take. I think that Philadelphia has what it takes to beat a essentially shorthanded Tampa Bay Buccaneer team. Um, and I'm curious to see what happens this weekend. It very well could be a blowout, and I'll be here next next show telling you how wrong I was. Um, or I could be here next week telling you how right I was. We'll, we'll, that remains to be seen. That I just wanted to, to, to throw that out there since we brought the playoff talk into play, give the people at home something to look forward to to bash me for next week. That's my hot take. That is one hot take for sure. I feel like... Uh... I don't even know what to say about that. I will leave it as such. I won't go on such a limb, but we will see what happens. Obviously, the game has been playing Friday, Saturday, or Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Uh, so we will know exactly what's going on. But for the meantime, Fletch, congratulations. Episode number one of uh, season number two here. We'll be looking forward to uh, potentially next week and a few more debate topics. As for now, my name is Clark Heron, a.k.a. The Harry Hobo. And we're out. Peace.